Welcome everyone to How Winners Win. This is episode 18. This is Daniel Blue. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Kita Spears, aka High Key. What up? What's up, winners? You guys are in for a real treat. I've got uh, an amazing guest here in the studio, in-house. It's always nice to have the uh, guests come in the office, get some of that intimacy uh, face-to-face time, especially during all this COVID madness. I've got Ty Brady. How are you, man? I'm great, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Kitai and I were really excited to bring you on the show for uh, context purposes. Uh, Ty is someone that is in the insurance space. He owns Brady Insurance and Marketing, and he's an affiliate of Medicare Enroll. We're not going to be here talking about Medicare, Medicaid, boring health insurance shit. I mean, we're probably going to talk a little bit about it, but what really stuck out to me, I met Ty at an event here in Vegas a couple weeks ago. He's got 500 agents uh, under him. That's right, five zero zero. So I can only imagine Ty dealing with culture, uh, hiring, firing, training, uh, efficiency, marketing, processes, systems, efficiency, efficiency, everything that us entrepreneurs are constantly focusing on, right? 500, that's it's a lot of people to be uh, managing. Uh, so really, really stuck out in, in terms of how can uh, Ty be able to add value to the listeners here, because I know Ty is a winner. Um, and I also want to be able to start from scratch with you, Ty, man. I mean, you got 500 agents, you're crushing it right now, doing big things, but I wasn't, I know it wasn't always like that. Can you kind of talk a little bit about your story and uh, some of the, the low points in your life? Absolutely. Um, you know, where I'd like to start is, you know, I I went the traditional route, I guess you'd say. I, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in applied science and in industrial design and found a job, uh, you know, actually designing and drafting homes. And that led me to eventually being the project manager of a, a small residential commercial construction firm. And I was there for nine and a half years. But you know, the short version of that is, is that they, we did about $33 million in revenue, did two to 3,000 homes in that period of time. And I worked for a, a brother and a sister team. But you know, obviously, know, everyone knows, you know, 08, 09, 07, whatever you want to, this kind of that era, what happened? Well, I, I found myself, you know, unemployed really quick, really fast. You know, here's your last paycheck. Have a nice life. See you later. And then I had to really, you know, so a decade, almost a decade doing that, that's all I knew. I mean, I knew the ins and outs of construction, estimating, project managing. And I, you know, I really, you know, had to lost my house, lost, uh, lost the rental properties that I had acquired. I mean, I, I was down and out. And as you know, I had to do some soul searching and tried to figure out, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? I had, uh, let's see, that would have been three young kids and my wife that my wife's been a stay at home mom. She works a ton, but I mean, primarily she hadn't worked outside the home. So I, I, uh, that next year, I think I worked 17 jobs, 19 different jobs from hanging Christmas lights to mowing people's lawns to whatever I could do to make a living. Wow. I mean, I was, I was, I was down and out. Um, and I knew how to work. I mean, I grew up working, so working wasn't a problem, but what do I want to be? So I did some research and I looked at, okay, what to, what, what careers are out there that are recession proof? And it came down to banking and insurance is what it came down for me, you know, finance. And I'm like, well, I can go back to school and get a master's degree in finance and go work at a bank, probably make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And I'm like, well, do I really want to do that? And then I looked at insurance 
and that's where that's where I started was insurance. But there's a lot of different legs of insurance. You know, there's property and casualty, which is referred to as home and auto. There's uh, general liability insurance, and on and on. But um, so that first after I lost my job, I worked 17 different jobs, and then I'm like, okay, what do I want to do? And I, I gravitated towards insurance. I talked to some people that do property and casualty. They're like, hey, if you're not willing to do this or this, you know, you know, then you know pay staff and this, then I would recommend home and auto home and auto has gone a lot of internet based and uh, people switch over 20 bucks. So as I, 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 I went from, you know, life insurance to, you know, supplemental insurance. If you have heard of Aflac or colonial, you know, I went and researched those. I researched, uh, you know, um, life like financial uh, people's finances, and uh, I gravitated to actually helping seniors that are aging into Medicare, already on Medicare. And I've really, really enjoyed that. And then I've, from that, I've built a team across the country in 44 states to help seniors that are aging into Medicare. Um, that's the, uh, the short version, and um, it's continuing to grow. I mean, as you know, there's 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 a day. And we, we take the approach of educating those seniors to find the plans that work well with them and do the things that they need to do to enjoy their life. And it's been, it's really rewarding. I mean, I, it's not only about insurance for me. I mean, I've had agents that, you know, they were on the verge of committing suicide and they found a path that they were able to provide for their families. I mean, in the last 10 years, there's been a lot of heartache, not just with me, but other folks as well. Wow. It's a story for, for real. So back to like the work that you were talking about, like 17 jobs is a lot. (laughs) I don't care what anyone says. Like (laughs) that's a lot of work to be doing and three mouths to feed, four mouths to feed at home. Yeah. How how old were you mowing lawns and hanging Christmas lights? Oh man. I, uh, I would have, well, 10, I would have been 32, 33. Damn. I mean, walk us through kind of your, uh, your mentality, um, some of the things going on in your head, right? Cause I'm trying to put myself in, in your shoes. You know, you got three kids, you're married. It sounds like you were making consistent income prior to, you know, 07, 08, 09, that whole crash. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you lose your house, you lose the rentals, and then you go from making X at a nine to five or corporate job. And now you're making probably a lot lower, you know, mowing the lawn, hanging up Christmas lights, like, Talk to us about what was going on in your head. Your ego. Oh yeah. man, it, it was it, well. One of the, I think in if one of the hardest things that ever happened is so I lose everything and I'm like, okay, what are we gonna do? And uh, my, well, I had to move in with my parents, lived there for four years, and whoever wants to go, three kids, go back and live with their parents, right? But I'm grateful for my mom and dad that allowed me to do that. But one of the the defining moments is when my daughter, she's 19 now, almost 19, she came to me and she says, Daddy, when can we move back into our old house? And, you know, everybody has a defining moment in their life that that, he, that has to drive them. And my wife kind of gets after me occasionally. And she's like, you, you can't reflect on that. It's not that I reflect on that. That's when everything changed for me. I'm like, I don't ever want to, that look is like burned into my skull, my, my soul. Uh, It's, I mean, that's what drove me to do where I'm, where I'm at today. But now she's, she's the only one that remembers that. I mean, my other four kids, they're 13 to four now. They had no idea, you know, the heartbreak and 
all of the emotions that came with it. I mean, I remember laying there holding my wife at, at bed at night, and I said, and and then she's like, "It'll be all right. I'll, we'll get through it." I mean, knowing that I gotta feed my kids, and where's that money gonna come from? I mean, I, uh, I there was it was a it was gut wrenching, but as I started my path, when I found insurance and the power of residual income, you know, things started to change. And then I had to make some other decisions, but it was just, I mean, there were some dark days where I'm driving on the road, you know, trying to figure it out. And it's me and my truck and it's midnight and I hadn't sold anything that day. And I just remember back to my daughter, you know, I don't want her to go through that again. And with that, I mean, it motivated me to, you know, the next sell or the next appointment. And so it was a, it was a decision, not a decision, but it was that, that moment that I made the decision that continued to propel me to do bigger and greater things. I mean, now it's, but it was not easy. And, uh, I mean, I was on, if if you go back for when I started, I was two years on the road, literally, I'd leave on a Monday and I would be home on a Friday or Saturday or Sunday because my wife says, hey, we're not going to move. I want the kids to be stable, um, but you do what you got to do. And, and then I'd, I would leave on a Sunday or Monday and I, I'd be gone all week. I did that for two years straight. My wife used to kid around that I'd just come around for a booty call on the weekends and then take off again. <laughs> so, but not she did, and, but that was the truth. And then things got better gradually over time, over time. And then, you know, with in the insurance industry, it's the power of residual income. And if anybody's in insurance, they understand that. But, you know, she'd be like, yeah, you got $13 in the bank account last week, but that $13 kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So, so for time. the people that don't know about residual income and insurance and the multiple, multiple opportunities that are out there in that space, explain what residual income means for insurance providers. Yeah. So insurance, uh, what it is, is you, let's say you sell a policy today, there's usually an upfront commission. And as long as the policy stays on the books, you continue to get a trail or an overwrite from that policy for the rest of that policy's life with a lot of carriers. So let's say that you sell a policy and it's worth $500 upfront commission. Let's say the next year it's half of that, you know, so it goes from 500 to 200, but you continue to get that $200 for the rest of that policy's life as long as it stays on the books. So as, a, as you continue to sell more, that $200 goes from 200 to 400 to 600 to 800 to 1000 and just can, keeps going up from there so that you, you put all this effort and time in on the front end, but then on the back end, the reward is greater. Wow. And then going back to, you know, those gut-wrenching times and, you know, when shit was really tough, how do you communicate that with your significant other? Because you know, you probably look like a crazy person going out there on the, on the road at 12 o'clock at night trying to sell insurance. So how do you communicate that to where she can see the vision too and actually know that it's going to be all right? Wow. She was a patient woman. I'll tell you that. I mean, I don't know anyone like her that was as patient with me. I mean, cause I would come home and, and I'd say, Hey, I sold one today. And she, and then she would look at the bank account and she's like, yeah, you may have sold one, but it's $13 over a 12 month period. So you really, that $13 didn't equate to much. She's like, go hang up some more Christmas lights right now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> or or go get faster. a real job. Go get a real job. Right. And, and hey, there's and, some lines you can go. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Go, I need, I need money today. The rent's due tomorrow. Right. <laughs> that's exactly right. But it was just the, the open communication was one, but I'm grateful that she was patient enough to see it through. 
I wouldn't be where I'm at today without having somebody by my side because I couldn't watch kids and go to work and do what I did. I mean, all I knew was that I made a commitment to her. She made a commitment to me that I was going to, she's like, go do what you got to do. I mean, and if it required me to be on the road two years straight and never see her, she would have been there. But I, I made, and then in return, I said, just take care of my kids. Just make sure my kids are taken care of. And that's what she did. But it was a lot of communication. I mean, I'm sure she cried herself to sleep at night a few times. Not that she let me see it, but I mean, she persevered and now she's the recipient of all the things we've been able to do. And I mean, that's the financials, not a, not a problem anymore. And hasn't been for a long time. Now we're in the stage of, you know, how do we get back, you know, and how do we help people do what, what we've done? And that's the, the power of giving back the legacy that we want to live is have people duplicate. I mean, it doesn't have to be an insurance, whatever anybody wants to do, as long as they're committed and they're passionate, they never work a day in their life. So, I mean, it could be, you want to open a restaurant if you're passionate about it and you, and you show up and you, you just keep going through the motions, you'll be rewarded over time. And I think a lot of times people give up the first two years are the hardest, right? And they may, they're like, I'm not making any money. Go get a real job. Go clean Christmas lights. You know, they're not seeing the reward on the back end. But stick to it. That dedication, that discipline. Yeah, I mean, I think depending on the kind of business model you have, I think it's a fair statement to say it's going to take at least three to five years before you start to see the, the fruits of your labor, right? And I think one thing that changes the landscape is you've got social media, right? And a lot of these people that are thinking about quitting or are struggling that are down and out, they're scrolling on their Instagram and they're just seeing people travel, people crush it. They're seeing the end result, but they're not seeing the nitty gritty the, the dark times and the behind the scenes, right? So I'd like for you to share, Ty, so, you know, you've got 500 agents under you. Like, what are some of the, the challenges that you face in dealing with that many humans? Wow. Um, there's not enough of me. I mean, I would like to say that I talk to all of those 500 every day, all day. I don't. Um, there was a time when, you know, I, I knew everything and anything about the people that were on my team. I mean, I knew their kids when they were graduating, when their birthdays were. Um, that's been a little bit of a challenge, but there are some people that, that I don't relate to, and I wish I could, but I take the ones that I do relate to. And for an example is that out of those 500 agents, um, there's only five that I I work with on a regular basis. I mean, they're the ones that I'm talking to on a weekly basis. They're the ones I'm talking to um, on a daily basis. Sometimes they're the ones that I, I made a commitment to them to get them to the next level. And I coach them through everything. I mean, it could be from, you know, how do they pay their bills to, should I pay off my house? Should I get a new car? You know what? I mean, you, you would, it would blow you away um, on just the things that I talk to them about. I mean, I had, a, as an example, I had an agent, one of my first agents, um, he was 498 pounds, 498 pounds, and um, single dad, and actually he was single dad, got custody of his daughter, and uh, spent his whole life savings trying to get custody of his daughter, but today, he's pushing almost $200,000 in residual income, daughter's grown, graduated from high school, he has more toys than me, and he has the freedom to do what he wants, when he wants, and he did it by being persistent. He's the most unlikely sales guy you'll imagine. 
I mean, he's like, I'll show you. That's the way he sells. But people love him. And he built his entire business model on the back of a, a retail kiosk. He sat in a, a retail kiosk. And he, everybody knows him for the last seven years. And he sits there from nine to five. He gets his name out there, hands out a couple thousand business cards every single year. But people know him. And that, since then, um, he's down to about 360 pounds, goes to the gym every day. And he's like, Ty, I, don't, I didn't think I was going to live past age 50. Mm. I mean, he makes, he comes from, a, I, I may get this wrong, but he comes from a family of 11. Um, all of his brothers and sisters are doctors and lawyers or very, very successful. Um, he makes more money than his brothers and sisters do now today. And they used to always refer to him as the drunk older brother. And just the, the the change that in him and what he's been able to do, not only for him, but now he's working on duplicating himself and teaching people what he's done to better their lives. So going back to the question, in the sense of it sounds like the, the challenge is, okay, it's just mathematically impossible for you to spend time with every single one of these people. So yeah. as a leader, you have to cultivate more leaders right you've got That's to breed right. leaders delegate yeah 100 percent um the, the podcast help to try and get my voice out there a little quicker a little blurb you know if i'm today's topic is you know we're valuable you know everybody can see that that chooses to participate um but you're absolutely right what uh, what do you think was the biggest difference like if you were to compare you know 2007 2008 2009 tie that's hanging Christmas lights, that's mowing lawns, you know, that just lost his house to 2021 tie. Um, like, what do you think the biggest difference is from a, a, a mindset mentality perspective? You can accomplish anything, anything that you choose, if you're willing um, if you're willing to commit, because if you're committed, then you're never just interested. And if you're committed, you'll get rid of all the excuses. And I don't think I ever had any excuses. It was just, I needed the right vehicle that works for me. And when I found that, then I was committed. And over time, it's just compounded and gotten bigger and faster and better. Yeah. And I think also what stuck out to me is, is having that defining moment that changed your life. And you guys listen to this podcast right now. I know there's something in your life that, that happened, right? Maybe a death in the family. Uh, maybe you overcame drug abuse. Um, I mean, there was just something that happened in, in your life where you were probably freaking out or it startled you or it, it made you feel down or uh, shocked you just all the different emotions and then 10 years later, you're like, man, I remember that. And I've got that moment too. I'll never forget, you know, my, my defining moment. And it still motivates me today and it still ties to my commitment. So I, I think that's one thing that, you know, listeners have to remember. You might be going through some shit right now. Someone might tell you something that, that really hurts or that makes you feel like you're letting that person down. But I mean, that might be your defining moment. I can only imagine when I've got a 12 year old daughter. So if my daughter were to tell me what she told you, like, Hey, we've been living at grandma's house for four years, dad. Like, can you get your shit together? Like, when can we get our own house, our own room? Like, 
when, when, when are you going to level up dad? I can only imagine how that would make you feel. So, um, guys don't, don't forget about those, uh, defining moments. You can always go back to your why and your core values. And like for you, like obviously you started off as an expert in one field, you know, yeah. going back, like you, when it got a degree in your field and then worked it for nearly a decade and, you know, ran a multi-million dollar firm. Um, how does, you know, a construction guy get into building a business this size in the insurance space? There's a lot of people who are listening who probably have a day job that they label themselves as almost like maybe you labeled yourself as a construction guy. How do you switch that label? How do you change your identity and basically have that second leg on entrepreneurship? The first thing is, is that if for me, I was forced to look outside of my bubble or where I was, right? I mean, I was, I was building houses. I was, you know, bills were paid. I was going on vacation. I, I had no reason to look anywhere else, right? But, and I was passionate about it. I mean, there's nothing greater than to see a house to go from ground up. I mean, the American dream is to buy a house, right? And I'm building these dreams for people. So that was all rewarding. Um, you know, I'm building houses in 32 days from start to finish, whatever the case may be. So there was still achievement there. But when I was forced to look outside, I mean, my choices were, do I go and start my own construction company, right? Because that's the only way I was going to make any more money. Do I want to stay where I'm at and, you know, get comfortable in status quo? Or in my case, I was kicked down the road because of the state of the environment. You know, I was moved out of my, my comfort zone. But when I started doing the investigation process and what I wanted to do when I grew up, right, um, and working all those different jobs, and, uh, you know, one thing led to another. What I mean by that is I got a job selling um, Strictly Commission that actually got me introduced to a guy that was a captive agency owner and got me in the senior market. And that's so those are stepping stones that got me to where I'm at. But what I would tell the listeners is, if, the, if there's an opportunity, research it, number one, and look at it, and go with the way you feel. I mean, and if it feels good, and, and it looks right, and you're, you, you think you can get passion behind it, you will succeed. If you have questions, and it doesn't make sense, or you may have doubt that you can't do it, I can tell you, you can do it, if you have passion, right? And you have that commitment. So what, whatever it is, 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 and if you don't like, let's say you're, you're, your bills are paid right now, you're comfortable, but you're just like, you don't, the purpose isn't there. Eventually, you're gonna, it's going to die on the vine, or, or you're not going to be happy, or there's going to be something that's going to change that where you're at. But if you're actively, for me, I wasn't actively looking, but I was forced to actively look Find that purpose and what you want to be when you grow up. If it's a restaurant owner, if it's a, you want to go sell cars or if you want to start your own company. I mean, there are many different ways and different things you can do, but make a commitment to yourself that you're going to do it. It sounds like, you know, you put yourself out there. First and foremost, like opportunity doesn't come knocking at first. It will eventually. You got to pick up the door, but Sounds like you were putting yourself out there, 17 different jobs. I mean, you're just basically stumbling to the next thing until you find the right thing that works for you. And I feel like anyone who's feels like there's no opportunities, you got to search for them. Like, That's right. You, you weren't like, no one came up to you and said, hey, hey, Ty, do you want to work for me? 
you want to mow my lawn? Do you want to hang my Christmas lights? No, you probably had to go out there and sell yourself. You know, so for the people out there, like, don't be poor. Don't be passing over opportunity regularly. Who knows? I might have liked hanging Christmas lights, but I didn't. And that would have been my path to success or entrepreneurship. Or, I mean, I was installing insulation. You, You would not believe, I mean, everything. Everything and everything. Maybe I liked mowing lawns, right? And I started a crew mowing lawns. I just, it wasn't my deal. And you're absolutely right. Search for it, look for it, give it a shot. Yeah, and don't be afraid to work. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I got a lot of respect for for you and other people that you know when shit hits the fan, like there's no job that's below you, right? Like sometimes you have to be okay accepting a job that you normally wouldn't have taken if things were going good. But maybe you're in a rut, maybe you're in a funk, things aren't just panning out. Obviously, that's what happened to you during this time, and you just rolled up your sleeves and and went to work. I wouldn't have got in the insurance industry had I not taken the job that was straight commission. See what I mean? So that led me to a guy I actually sold a fence to that told me about an opportunity that I researched it. And then that's why I ended up, and then I was there for a year and that's a whole other story, but you're absolutely right. It's funny you say that. So, and I think also I do want to say, I I know Ty is a a badass salesperson. He's got great communication skills. Um, What I love about sales is, you know, just to the example that you just gave with, with one of your employees that's making more than his doctor brothers, like sales is that career that if you're really good at it, you don't need a a degree, a master's, a bachelor's to make six figures, right? There's so many entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs, salespeople that are college dropouts, right? They don't have a degree yet. They're kicking ass. So that's really one thing I love about sales, but the point that I wanted to make is, you know, being able to, you know, have those sales skills. Um, and then at the end of the day, um, things happen for a reason. If you take those low end jobs and the example you're giving me about you, you know, installing a fence for somebody and then it turning into the insurance world, that's what it sounds like, right? Building an empire. Yeah. yeah. Agents yeah. later. I mean, for, for me, I was roofing. I was 18 years old. I was roofing in St. George, Utah. I was 110 Ooh. degrees. Yeah. You're saying, woo, cause you know how hot mm-hmm. it is in St. George, Utah, right? So I'm up there just sweating my ass off. And because I was roofing, I met someone in the roofing space um, that ended up getting me in the sales space. Like, what does roofing and selling on the phone have anything to do with each other? They don't. Fences and insurance. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no yeah, correlation. Yeah. I was I was selling handbags <laughs> when I got this job in finance. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I was at Kate Spade, stock restocking the shelves. That's funny, man. Just, you, you never know, right? Like you got to put yourself out there and, and you can't be afraid of just rolling your sleeves up and just getting, getting to work, right? It might only be 10 bucks, 15 bucks an hour, but that $15 an hour job might lead to hundred K six figures down the road. Hell yeah. You mentioned something about, I think it's so easy to go on social media and look at somebody's highlight reels, right? But they don't understand Either it could have been a decade, it could have been two years, three years, four years to see that highlight reel. And just know that if you're in between your highlight reel and you're still, or you're still trying to figure it out, there's going to be some moments in there where you're going to win and you're going to see, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. This one, this is what I've been drawn to. One of the things that somebody said to me a while back, and, and this was years ago, they said, if you get a high from closing a deal, you're in the right space. And that is so true. And it could be, you know, selling handbags. Like you said, you got that high from sell, closing that deal. And, you know, I think 
they do these aptitude tests now at college. Like, hey, here's what you're you're born to do, an accountant, whatever. I'm not a label guy, and I'm glad you said that about a lot of people are that are entrepreneurs or college dropouts. It's, I mean, there's a lot of people that have went through college and they're entrepreneurs as well. But the bottom line is, is that there's you are you, and be you, and if you haven't found your your purpose, keep looking and don't give up. It's out there. Amen to that. <laughs> I did want to get into a couple insurance questions since we got the insurance guru here. What are some myths and misconceptions that people have about Medicare? Because right now, I mean, if you ask anyone my age, you just see the late night TV infomercial about Medicare, you know, diabetes. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Like, that's all you know. So like, what are we missing? Yeah, let's start with the basics. What, what the hell is Medicare? So Medicare is people that are eligible for Medicare are people that are aging into Medicare because they're turning 65 or they get on Medicare due to a disability. So, and it's health insurance. So with original Medicare, there's co-pays and deductibles as an example that people would have to pay. And all those infomercials that you see, they talk about get your free oxygen sensor or whatever. Hey, real, the, real quick, Ty. Oh. So real quick. So for the people listening right now, I know you might not be 65, but if you love your mama or your grandma, like listen to what Ty is saying, because if you don't understand this game, you're, you're not going to be able to help out your mom or your grandma. And I know you guys want to help out your mamas and grandmas and things like that. So Go ahead, Ty. Sorry about no, that. No, you're good. Thank you. But it's people aging into Medicare. Currently in this country, there's 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 a day. And they have to make certain decisions or the federal government penalizes them for not making a decision. Fucking so, government. yeah, no, it's, it's what, so that's the reality of it. And there's private insurance companies that get paid to, they get paid to administer original Medicare. So as an individual signs up on a private insurance company's insurance policy, they, that, that's where I come in. As I say, hey, here's all of your options, and they're offered county by county, state by state, and it's very confusing. There's some people that do nothing. To your question, um, what are some misconceptions? that? Uh, first of all, that agents cost money. That's one misconception. And agents don't cost money. They are compensated by the insurance carrier. So the insurance carriers that I broker through, that I send send them business, they compensate the agents for that policy. Another misconception is is that all policies are alike. They're not. You know, there there's it's even different between county and county, state by state. You know what's offered in say in Clark County, Nevada, is different what's offered in Salt Lake, and they're different. So that's another misconception. They're. Um, there's there's things called what are called Medicare Advantage plans and Medicare supplements. It's two different things. And again, there's a whole other story on that. But there those misconceptions, and unfortunately, creates fear in people, and oftentimes to do nothing. And the unfortunate thing for me is I run into people that got so scared or so overwhelmed because they're turning sixty five. I mean, I had a lady tell me that she was she's like, I don't want to talk to you about this. It gives me anxiety. It gives me anxiety. And I said, Well, let me help you make sense of all this because I don't want to be three years from now or you have something happen and you not have the insurance in place or you don't do anything because you're scared and then you get burned with penalties. So those are things that I, I try to help navigate and have a conversation with a local agent. I would tell people not to call those infomercials. Um, somebody can come to their house. Somebody can go with them over the phone or they have a personal relationship with that and the person they're talking to on the phone. They're compensated. You know, they're not trying to 
you know, throw you in a plan and, and sell you and forget you. I mean, these are lifelong clients and customers. And we, in my group, I talked to you, how quick can you get to 500 clients? You get to how quick, how quick can you get to 500 clients? And if you do that, you're not living on easy street, but it's very comfortable for you because you're making a six figure income January one before you even get out of bed. And I'm, and I've had agents go from zero to two, a quarter of a million dollars in 18 months because there's people out there they can serve and get on these policies to help them. Uh, one other myth, it would be that um, insurance, costs, insurance agents cost money. Um, that's a myth. It doesn't. Um, all insurance policies are alike. That's a myth. The, um, trying to think of some other ones. That, I mean, they're, they're just have a conversation. And who's the ideal client for this? Like you said, 65. So like, is that anyone who's 65 that turns 65? They should be looking into Medicare. Is that a specific person? Good point. Good question. Any person that has Medicare part A and part B. So if they have Medicare part A, part B, or if they're 65 years or older and did not go on Medicare part A and part B because they need to. Maybe they're still working. Oh, here's another myth for you. That they're working and they're 65 and they can't be on Medicare. That is not true. I have people that are working on Medicare that got off their group plan and are still working like at the local casino. But the policies are cheaper for them and their family. So that is another myth. So if someone turns 65 years old and they do not tackle the whole Medicare conversation, you're saying that they could be fined by the government? There are penalties, yes. Damn, how much? It depends on, well, there's two different penalties. There's a, a part B penalty, B as in boy. Um, they're penalized a percentage for every month they don't sign up. And there's a part D as in dog, which stands for drugs, that they're penalized every month for they don't, they don't sign up. And the reason I can't give you specifics is because it's based on the average cost of a drug plan for the part D penalty, how many months they weren't were without a pen, the drug plan. And then part B is how many months were they without part B without having credible coverage. So those are just variables I don't know, mm-hmm. but they just know that there are penalties associated. Double dipping. That's what it sounds yeah. Like. yeah. I mean, uh, when my mom turned 65, I'm definitely going to need to make sure I have this conversation with her because uh, it's like, okay, we need to handle this one way or the other. And uh, we were to give her enough money to the IRS as it is. Let's not give them any more money than we have to. <laughs> and knowing that that myth out there, the insurance agents cost money, does they don't. So I mean, it sounds like it's going to cost you a lot more money not doing anything about it. Correct. Right? <laughs> yeah. Damn. <laughs> damned if you do, damned if you don't. But you're actually not damned if you do. You should go do it. Talk to an agent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. for, for sure. And uh, for you guys listening on uh, iTunes, uh, when the show drops in the notes, uh, all of Ty's information, it will be on there. Give him a follow on Instagram, jump in his DMs. Uh, he, he's a good dude. We endorse him. Uh, and I'm sure him or his team could uh, help out your mama, your daddy, your grandparents, you know, people that are, again, getting close to that 65. Uh, you want to make sure that they are crossing T's, dotting I's. Um, I mean, it's crazy, man. Man, like the healthcare industry in the insurance game, like if you don't understand it, I mean, it is so expensive, right? I mean, there's just so much money in that space and people that don't have the knowledge, I could see getting taken advantage of a whole lot. Do you see a lot of that? Uh, I have one more myth for you. So the myth is that, you know, traditionally people would go to the doctor because they weren't feeling well, Right. With healthcare reform, 
Doctors are incentivized to have a relationship with their patients. Let me repeat that. Doctors are incentivized to have a relationship with their patients. The reason for that is, is because if they can catch diseases quicker and faster, the cost to treat patients is less. So that would be another myth out there that, you know, go, I tell people, go see your doctor. I have cases where people went and saw their doctor and they caught, you know, the early stages of cancer, stage one instead of stage four, or stage four. And some of these were aggressive cancers, and the doctor's like, had you waited, I don't know if the result would have been as well as it has been. But go see your doctor. So that is one. And then to your question, um, what was it again? Uh, do you see a lot of people getting taken advantage of in the healthcare space or the uh, insurance space? No, not from my perspective. I mean, I'm sure it happens in every industry, meaning that there's bad in every industry. But the insurance industry is highly regulated. I mean, it really is on how I can contact somebody. Even my sales process, I have to make sure I dot all my I's and cross all my T's. But I'm sure there's some, uh, th- those TV commercials can be misleading and they get people to bait and switch. You know, they're, they're like, oh, you can get this and this and this. And then I look at them like, that's so misleading. But a lot of those t- infomercials are lead generating companies to give to an agent. Mm. They're not so... I tell people, listen, if something sounds too good to be true, it's not probably not true. However, deal with somebody face-to-face. And, don't, and that way you, they don't get taken advantage of. Or deal with somebody that's referred to you that you do know. You know. And if you don't know somebody, you know, say, hey, I know this guy. He's on a podcast. Send him my way. You know, and I'll get him to an agent there in the local market that would be happy to name to a face. Again, because they're incentivized. These are lifelong relationships. This isn't just throw them in a plan and forget them. And it's, so that's why I'm sure there is some advantage, you know, some, some things in, some in, in this industry as well. I just haven't seen it. How long have you been married, Ty? 20 years. Damn. So 20 years. One question I have for you, and I think a lot of the listeners can, can relate to this. I would assume uh, most of you guys that are listening and gals that are listening are probably in a relationship, right? And uh, life is just a lot easier when you're in a good place with your partner, right? So 20 years, been through the ups and the downs. Your wife saw you hanging up Christmas lights. Your wife has seen you making six figures, residual income. Um, what do you think would be some of the, the top keys um, that, that made a successful relationship? Because I know it hasn't always been sunshine and rainbows, right? So like, what are some of the things that you've learned and some of the things that you know, um, without a doubt, have been huge in terms of establishing a strong relationship with your wife? What's made it work? Uh, starting from the beginning is, uh, you know, having a conversation of, you know, that, that, that simple, you know, 10 years and then having the conversation is she's, she said, I don't want to move the kids. Okay, great. So how are we going to make this work? Right. It was a plan. It was a plan that her and I made together. It wasn't just my plan. And then it was her not, um, the worst thing that could have happened, I think is that if I came home and she started nagging me, you know, like go get a real job, I wouldn't be here today but she was always like, we'll get through it or um, you'll be fine or just keep doing what you're doing. She was my biggest champion and still is to this day. So, and I like to say I'm trying to get back to her and be her biggest champion 
because for four years, she kind of put what she was doing on the side burner. No, I didn't say kind of. She did. I mean, she was mom, taxi driver, dad, disciplinary. I mean, she was everything for solid. But now I, I like to say I'm trying to give back to her and let her do what she was born to do and let her pursue her dreams and her passion. In fact, today she's talking to uh, uh, a tech college, all graduation of girls today, tonight, um, doing a graduation speech, wow. which she's doing tonight. And then she recently competed in the Mrs. Utah America pageant and took second runner-up. But but open communication would be number one. Number two is transparency or honesty, always important. Um, and there was, you know, she never... Uh, when I was honest, she never criticized me for being honest. And, and she, she did her best to understand at least where I was coming from. You know, those days when I'm on the road and I'm going back to an empty hotel room and I miss the heck out of her and the kids. And she's like, just, just one more day, you know, just one more day or just one more app or, you know, just think about what we'll be able to do in three years. You know, that dreaming together and that, that vision board. And it was, it was always together. It was never, I want to go do this. It was never that. And, you know, now it's, now it's, I mean, I, we can go on vacation. We can do whatever we want, when we want, but she still has dreams. She still has things that she wants to pursue. And a lot of times it's her and I talking about, okay, how's this kid doing? Or how's that kid doing? Or, you know, what do we see the, the issues are? Or how can we help? Or how can we, you know, help other people? You know, it's that open communication, honesty, transparency. And uh, the other thing, too, is don't ever take your partner for granted. I mean, there there's a lot of times that people think that their partner is uh, not doing enough. But look at the things that they are doing. You know, I'd say my wife isn't the greatest housekeeper. So, well, guess what? We hired a housekeeper. And uh, some people may take offense to that. Uh, my wife's like, no. Nah, I just tell her, I said, the only thing I'd like the housekeeper to do is do all the laundry because you resolve that, I'm happy, but it's nice to come home to a clean house, dishes are done, but that's freed her up to do other things and, and start giving back to the community. Nice, man. That's uh, a super insightful. When, when I've heard you reference a couple times, you know, you guys are, are really focused on giving back, especially since uh, you guys are in, in a really good place financially. Um, what are some of the, the areas or causes that you're giving back to right now? The one that we did uh, recently is first responders. Um, we've been able to, my wife, for her platform for Mrs. America Utah pageant was what's your verb? Verb is an action, right? What do you do for action? We've fed over 1,500 first responders from ambulance, parole officers, police detectives, life flight, uh, firefighters. I mean, you name it. We've been able to do that with help with the local community and the donations from corporate sponsors to pay for the meals. So we were able to feed first responders, number one. Number two is we had a local restaurant that we were able to help during COVID with the shutdown, the catered meals. And then uh, we were also able to do a a football camp with uh, two NFL, former NFL, former NFL players to get kids active out in their community. And another thing we're really active with is getting, uh, we, we sponsored five kids to play uh, a local, at a local football league through donations to the community. And then um, I'm really active on trying to help in coaching in some capacity. Just, I mean, sports teach, teaches kids, 
how to win and lose. And it teaches them good sportsmanship. It teaches them the team. It teaches them sacrifice. You know, they got to do their job. If somebody misses their assignment in football, someone's going to get train wrecked, right? So it teaches them a lot of core values. And it teaches them, you know, football is not a, just about a sport. It's about family. It's about you're gonna, some of these kids you play football with or lacrosse or soccer or whatever sport it is, they're going to be your lifelong friends as well as your family. What sport did you play? You know, I played a lot of everything. Um, I was looking back at actually a pitcher. I, I, uh, I started on the football team. Not started, but I started, I was there for 10 days, realized I was going to be a bench warmer and said, see ya. <laughs> so uh, fastest kid, but just didn't have the hand-eye coordination. But uh, I played basketball. I played uh, football a little bit. Obviously, I played soccer, all those sports. But, n- you know, back when I played, it wasn't all these uh, leagues, you know, I have all these leagues for football and lacrosse and so on. Mine was just rec, mm-hmm. you know, county rec. But yeah, I played all those sports. Nice. Yeah, I love the parallels between business and uh, sports and then life in general, yeah. right? I mean, it's, that's why we love, we're biased to the name of our podcast, right? How winners win. And if you uh, have played sports in some way, shape, or form, I mean, you know what it feels like to lose and uh, yeah. y- you know what it feels like to win, right? And I think we'd all rather win. Um, what do you, what do you, uh, if you were to look at two different options, do you enjoy the, uh, or do you, do you, do you hate to lose, um, like that feeling of like losing, right. Um, or like the idea of being able to win, um, and you're so close, but you're not there. Um, like, would you rather just get your ass kicked in a sports game or like you're really, really close and you don't pull it out and you lose. Like what's the worst feeling for you? Well, with your name of your podcast, winners always win. Whether it's a win or lose, it's always a win in my book. And the reason why is if I lose, it helps with the building blocks to win bigger, bigger, better, quicker, faster the next time. Because that's, that's a foundation that you can build on. So if you have a kid that misses a block and you lose the game because of the block, you can take that into practice and use that to propel them to win greater. That you have to fail to succeed. And and if you always win, you're never going to see that. Not only that, but that fundamental growing pain that you go through, to see it, it basically, what is the word I want to use? Those ingrain and burn in your skull. I mean, if you knew you missed a block to, to a game and that was the, the root cause, there was other things that may help you lose the game too, but it's all those fundamental things that you can build on to always win. I just don't ever see losing. Yeah, I was actually, uh, one of my friends I saw on Facebook, he posted, stop looking at failures as failures. Just look at it as your challenge just got extended. Like you didn't actually, the only, re- the only way you fail is if you quit. That's exactly. right. Like you, if, stop. If, if yes. you stop. If you stop, if you give up, then you failed. Like but when I was a bench warmer in football. <laughs> I was like, I quit. Yeah. I did. I quit. Yeah. Or when you were freaking hanging up Christmas lights, right? Yeah. Like you didn't. Yeah, I wasn't failing. Yeah, you went from losing your house and, and your rentals and making good money, but you didn't give up, right? Your challenge just got extended, yeah. right? So I, I think that's really important for the audience too. You know, I know there's probably some of you guys that are going through some shit right now where you're just like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to do this? Is this going to be the end of my my existence? Like, am I going to get out of this? Uh, but as long as you don't give up, you might have to pivot. 
right? That's another important thing, right? You know, you, you were able to make that pivot, um, and, and make it work. So, um, Ty, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we, we look at the definition of a winner and, uh, you were a clear representation of, of a winner. Um, where can people find you? I was kind of giving you a hard time at the event, um, with your social media and whatnot. I was like, bro, you got a great message. You need to get on social media more. People need to hear you. Like you are doing people a disservice by them not seeing you more. So where will you, where will you be posting at? You know, I I love it because uh, you're so true. I mean, I have, I've, I've been one to, uh, maybe it's my pride. And I realize that, I mean, I'm pretty quiet, believe it or not. I'm, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I'm coming across boastful or bragging or any of those things, but what I've realized, and thank you for, you you know, someone else said that as well, is that, you know, there are people out there that have been through what you've been through or similarities that need to hear your story to have enlightenment. And, but how they can find me is uh, I do a podcast called the Ty Brady way is one way to find me on Instagram. And uh, that's, or excuse me, that's Instagram. You can also find me on uh, my podcast is on Apple Music. It's also soon to be on Spotify for my podcast. You can also find uh, Brady Insurance Marketing uh, on the web or an Instagram page or personally at uh, Ty R. Brady on Instagram. Those are some quick ways to find me. My hope is, is that I'll do better in communicating my story and getting the word out there to, to help inspire people out there. And there's just so much out there in life. The universe is so abundant and is, is so giving. And we just have to tap into that and you will be rewarded without a doubt. Great, great final words. And I'll finish it off with, you know, you're, you're a winner and you don't stop when you're going through hell. And I feel like that's a testament to what you, what you did and how you game became where you are today. So thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me guys. Yeah, for sure. Give uh, Ty a follow on Instagram. Uh, like I said, in the show notes, we will have all of Ty's contact information and handles and websites. Uh, I know you guys got value out of this podcast, so make sure you head over to iTunes. If you haven't already, I know there's someone that's listening to this show right now that has not gone on to iTunes and given us five stars in a review. If that's you, hit pause and go give us some love because we cannot grow this show uh, unless we get those damn reviews. I mean, that's just how Apple's algorithm works, right? So give us some love. Tell your friends, your family, someone comes to mind that could benefit from this podcast. Share this. And uh, we want to be able to come back every single week, give you guys the heat. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you're following Kita Spears over at High Key on Instagram. Follow me, Daniel Blue, on Instagram. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you have Instagram, we should take a screenshot, show us some love on the stories. And uh, we look forward to bring in some more heat next week on how winners win. All right, winners. Peace.